raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Man, and it is time to trend, and I couldn't think of a better time to trend than right now. Yeah, Billy Joel, it's funny. Who is the who is the artist that has the instrumental of the beat that we use for time to trend? Who is the... Scarlip. Scarlip, right. Could you be any different? From going from Billy Joel <laughs> to Scarlet, yeah, to set the mood at two o'clock on a Friday, yeah, man. I, well, I love the range. You want range? <laughs> we got range. That's on right. West, West got range, baby. All right, here we go. Celebrity All Star Team is forming Notre Dame High hold School. Hold on, hold on. I just I don't oh, want to stop you. I, I okay, no, go ahead, no, big you're dog. Good. You're what good. you got? You good? I'm sorry. You I sure? Just, well, we got we got a call for the open. Okay, well let's call you know for what the saying? open. Like, we want the open, right? All right, let's do it. Hey, baby Grump. Are you him? What kind of question is that? Look at my Instagram. Okay, let's 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 enjoy the message. Catch me outside. How about that? Huh? Catch me outside. How about that? Catch you outside. What does that mean? Let's get messy tonight, huh? I think you wanted to hit an intro so that you could hit Doctor. I'm just, uh, you know, Dr. like we're Phil. talking about Scar Lip. I think people want to cash us outside, That's and right. they want to hear it. So, all right, I'm sorry. I all right, here it. we go, baby. Reset. Notre Dame High School will have some serious star power this season. LeBron James's son, Bryce, and Master P's son, Mercy Miller, are joining forces to be one of the best teams in the country. Bryce James, already 6'6", transferred over from Campbell Hall, where he was there only for a few months after transferring from Sierra Canyon, where he spent two years. He'll join a Notre Dame program that won a state championship, CIF Division I, to be exact, last season. And Mercy Miller, uh, son of Master P, make him say, uh is a 6'4 shooting guard, a four-star recruit ranked in the top 65 nationally, helped lead the team last season, and he is going to go to the University of Houston. Oh, excuse me. He helped lead the team last season and is going to go back-to-back before heading to the University of Houston, where he has committed to play college ball. Master P went to Houston way back in the day before that knee injury took him out and before he was at the Charlotte Hornets telling Anthony Mason he wasn't carrying nobody's damn bags. Yeah, that's right. Did you ever hear that story? Uh, I do know that story, yes. Master (laughs) P, a beloved Charlotte Hornet in just a little bit of time. So what is your biggest takeaway from this story, Wes Uh, Yeah, I just think it's just really cool to see uh, these guys' sons teaming up, and it's going to be definitely a team that's going to dominate highlight films when you talk about house of highlights or bleacher reporter whatever you want this team is definitely going to move the needle each and every night they play because they have mercy miller and lebron james's son bryce so you know wherever lebron's kids go that's definitely going to be trending topic so i'm trying to think 
rappers' kids who have actually played pretty well to go on to the professional ranks or now it ended up being a sad story but Trey Mason he was the son of a member of De La Soul if I'm not mistaken right mm -hmm. so I was trying to think of kids that actually got to the professional ranks and became stars themselves we can go to Romeo Miller Lil Romeo son of Master P yes. that actually played at USC and uh, I believe we had that story already we talked about it some textures wrote in about DeMar DeRozan being a friend of Lil Romeo back in the day are there any other sons or any children of hip hop artists that have gone to make it real far in the professional ranks oh man you Trey Mason's the only one yeah yeah. I mean, or at least maybe a college athlete. And it ended up pretty tough for him. But I do remember Warren G's son when he committed to USC. But well, Snoop I don't Dogg, know. too, right? Did he have a son? Snoop Dogg's son, yes, okay. he did. He went to UCLA. Okay. But it didn't last long. It ended up coming out that he only played football for the approval of his dad. I was trying to think. But man. Warren G's son, I, I got to look him up and see how he ended up doing if he did turn into a baller. Because I remember when he committed and Warren G was on there and mm -hmm. all that good stuff. All right, turning the page. The billionaire headbusters is what I call him because Eli Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, that fight is still on. We talk about the fights I like to order. Well, this fight is going to be on, and they announced Friday that it's set to go down in an epic location, but he added the two won't face off for a while because he has to get minor surgery first. We're talking about Mark Zuckerberg. They said they've gotten a lot of deals already locked down for this. It will no longer be put on by Dana White, saying it will all now be managed by Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg's foundation. So here's my question real quickly. Yes. Is this thing actually happening? It sounds like it might, man. I, but I, I, this is one of those things where, look, man, I just need a little bit more before I believe this thing is going to go down. <laughs> Have we heard anything from Mark on this? Because it seems to be all Elon, who is mad at Mark Zuckerberg because those two guys are going at it with the release of Meta and Threads. I just want to know, do we have actually anything from Mark? If it happens, would you order it to see these two guys who aren't fighters fight? <laughs> and it probably not be very entertaining. And also, I don't even know if it's going to happen. These are the questions that I have for you. Yeah, no doubt. And so I don't know that I would order this. I don't know. Just the hype, though. Being a hype beast, I don't know. It depends on what the cost is. Maybe. I don't know. But they also said, walking for a little bit of proof for you, they said that after recent talks with the prime minister of Italy and the minister of culture, that's a dope name for a job. To be the minister of culture. You, okay. you want that here on the show. <laughs> right. I know you do. The I minister of culture. I think I might have to yap that. Uh, but anyway, they said they have agreed that the match will happen on Italian soil. But it's unclear, however, if that means it's going to be in a venue such as the Roman Coliseum, as has been rumored for months or somewhere else. And when it comes to how fans will watch the action, they said it will be live streamed on X and Meta. And everything in camera frame will be ancient Rome, so nothing modern at all. This sounds like like a video game or something like that. I, I have no words to be honest with you. I'm trying to figure it out, man. Like, this is not anything that I would be interested in to be. Would you order, Fiddy, let's go to you, yeah. right? Would you order this fight? Would you pay any money to see Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg fight? I think I'm tempted because I want to see which, which moron could beat 
up the other moron for ruining <laughs> social media platforms. Okay. Yeah, 805 said Mark Z has been doing amateur MMA training for years now. I didn't know this. I don't know a lot about these guys. I've seen and pictures right. of them training. All right. So if that's the if, if both of them are training, I know Elon Musk has the friendship with Joe Rogan. And who knows, man? If, if Mark has been training for years and Elon Musk has, I don't know if that friendship with Joe Rogan has resulted in any fighting or, or whatever. I, I don't have, I have no words. I'm All sorry. right. So moving on to a drink that I partake in a lot. I'm talking about Prime, the drink of one Logan Paul. There's hydration drinks, and then there's the energy drink that has been called into question. It was banned in Australia. It came under fire earlier this year after United States Senator Chuck Schumer questioned whether it should be allowed due to its high caffeine content. But, oh, no, Logan Paul came out and set the record straight. He said at 200 milligrams of caffeine per can, his Prime energy drink, actually features the same amount as Celsius and Gatorade's Fast Twitch, which I've had both of those. He also said it comes in with 100 milligrams less caffeine than Bang's similar energy drink. Somebody else up here uh, likes to drink those. <laughs> and then he said, Sorry, as for the allegations that he and his team have been targeting teams with the beverage, he said that that was not true. He said the advertising company does go through social media but he said those under the age of 18 only make up a small portion of his social media following and he also reiterated that his prime energy drinks say specifically on the labels that they're for those 18 and older and then when it came to the prime hydration drink he glowingly said that the drink does not have a lot of sugar in it at all touted its low sugar contents that 120 ounce bottle of Gatorade has 34 grams of sugar in it to put that into perspective one bottle of prime only has two grams of sugar in it so this was interesting to me because Bryce and I both like to drink this and when I when they first came out uh, I was drinking both the energy and the hydration the kids are killing it when you go to these camps and you see what these kids are bringing to drink they all have primes in their hands uh, there's lots of different flavors. But then I stopped us from drinking the energy when I saw that it was taken off the market in Australia and all the fire was coming under, even though I do continue to drink the hydration drink. And I'll tell you, the reason why I drink them so much, they're tasty. It's one of the best energy drinks out there that you can have. Bryce loves them. He gets mad and says disrespectful things to Logan Paul every time he's on wrestling because of wow. the fact that he can't drink the energy <laughs> anymore. But the hydration drinks are pretty good. Have you tried a prime energy drink I, or hydration? No, I have not. But it's not like I'm totally against it. I would definitely uh, recommend that you do, man. The flavor is, is really good. Well, I mean, look, man, this is the whole thing about caffeine. I know people, it's, I've got a lot in me when I drink Bang, all right? Like, there's 300 milligrams. He's not wrong, okay? That's a well-documented thing. It is a lot. It is a shot straight-up caffeine into the system and not a very long amount of time. So it's like having, what, three, four cups of coffee for the most part? I remember your girlfriend walking into the fishbowl the other day, and she said, I really wish you would switch to Celsius instead of Bang. Yeah. And I was like, man, I didn't realize people and were worried about me And I told her to switch to Celsius because she was drinking Red Bull before that. That's why I'm the minister. 
minister of culture. Okay. Is that because of you getting people on? Or certain... is that the minister of nutrition? I don't know what, what it is. Be? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just know I, I, for some, look, for me, I perform better on the caffeine. It is my steroid You should of definitely choice. try it though, man. Especially the hydration drinks. I think you'll like them a lot. All right. Uh, Fitty, same for you. And then just for Fitty, man, I had to throw this in there. New York Mets owner Steve Cohen, when his team has not taken L's, his wife showed out. She uh, she copped an insane iced out 14 carat white gold chain with 30 carats of diamonds worth $65,000. You have to do something to make yourself feel better uh, watching this team. They learned that Alexandra, who married Cohen in 1992, commissioned the piece after she recently ran into celebrity jeweler Will Selby at City Field while he was delivering a chain to an NBA star. The star in question is Donovan Mitchell, said he was dropping off a piece for him and then bumped into her at the owner's suite at the Mets game. And the rest is history. You can go check out the piece online. It is insane. And I feel like, you know, if Fiddy had money, he would probably buy uh, a woman a piece like that as well, especially after the conversation that we had in the fishbowl. I'm not going to go into it that much, but this sounds like this would be right up his alley. Yeah, I, so I haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm going to look it up, but this thing, it, it's just a mod. Oh, look, this is the thing, right? If you're that rich, then it would almost be disrespectful if you don't have an obscenely shiny piece of jewelry on your hand, right? Like if you if you are <laughs> if you're Steve Cohen and your wife isn't sporting one of the bigger rings you've ever seen in your entire life despite having the largest payroll in MLB history, yeah, that would be something that I'm sure isn't going to go over well for you. Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. Oh, it's not a ring. Okay. Whew. Yeah, that thing is pretty nice. Yeah, Fitty. So what do you think about that, man? I just put that in there just for you. It's a little bit of Mets news for you. A little bit of positivity, you think? I mean, he, he's worth over $2 billion. He's bought insane pieces of, of art memorabilia that's cost millions of dollars before just because he can. I, I, I don't really... I don't really care what he does. I know a lot of people think that he doesn't want to field a competitive baseball team, that this is just his hobby. He's a lifelong diehard Met fan. So it's eating him up that we're the embarrassment of the baseball world this year, but I don't want that to... Take away his happiness off the diamond. Yeah, if we wanted to shift this, right? Like, I, you can't be mad at Steve Cohen for doing something everybody <laughs> wanted him to do, right? Like, no. it, at the beginning of the season, yeah, that would be dumb to me. Because I know everybody wants their owner to spend a lot of money also wanting to make smart decisions. But was anybody saying what he was doing was dumb? Nobody was saying it was a dumb decision when he was signing these guys to big contracts, at least in the win-now mode. And there was reason to believe they could win now. Yeah, Steve Cohen's all right in my book, man. All right, well, when we come back, David Shoemate joins us, Duke play-by-play announcer on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. 
Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Let's continue Team Week for Duke. Just one more segment, and who better to do that with than the play-by-play announcer for Duke men's basketball as well as their football team. It's David Shoemate joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. David, thanks so much for the time. How are you? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Doing well. Yeah, we appreciate you uh, helping us talk a little bit more about the final predictions that we gave, just setting the scene heading into this year because – To me, David, it feels like the mood surrounding this team is as good as it's been in quite some time. Is this the best, the the most expectations you guys have had, the best morale that you've had since you've taken over um, on the mic? I mean, it's certainly right there with where it was heading into Daniel Jones' final season here in 2018, where I think at the start of the year there were some thoughts that that team could compete in the Coastal, maybe have a chance to win it. They were kind of in the mix um, for most of the year, but that's the only comparable and it's certainly a stark contrast I think it's fair to say from where the expectations were going into Mike Elko's first season when I think last year no one really expected much from this team whether you know certainly externally um, and then they find a way to win nine games so I think a lot of it is built around that I'm sure you guys that have kind of broken it down in detail a lot of that's built around you know when you got a quarterback you got a shot and Duke certainly has one of the better ones in the league Um, and Riley Leonard but, you know, obviously the schedule is challenging. Clemson right out of the chute, you know, on the road at Florida State, hosting Notre Dame. So in one respect, it's challenging. But another respect, you know, there's the opportunity right in front of you if you want to get to Charlotte. Well, David, you talked about the lack of expectations from Mike Elko coming into year one. Same thing was really surrounding Riley Leonard. But, man, he was very good last year. How could he compare if he stays, which he said, you know, he wasn't transferring, right? Like, I know there is some NFL buzz for Riley Leonard, so I guess if he has a great season, he could leave. But if he stays a couple more years, if you're talking about Riley Leonard as a guy that follows the footsteps of one Daniel Jones, of a Sean Renfrey, of a Thaddeus Lewis, like a tiny little QB history Duke has built in the last 20 years or so, could Riley be the best quarterback that we've seen in those last 20 years from Duke? Uh, Daniel Jones just signed a pretty good deal. <laughs> so it's, it's lofty expectations uh, that you're getting into with, with obviously what he did here, Duke, and, and with the Giants as well. But Riley certainly has all the tools. I mean, you, you mentioned what he did last year, nearly throwing for 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. Everyone talks about his ability to run, nearly 700 yards on the ground and 13 TDs there as well. And as you said, another year of eligibility uh, after this one, and, and obviously the pro scouts are, are certainly interested in what he can do. I, I will say he's got all the tools that you'd want, and, and not just the physical abilities, which I think speak for themselves. When you watch him on the field, he can make all the throws. Um, he's a problem for defenses because of his legs. But, but the intangibles, he, there's no question. Yes, in a formality, he was named a captain on this team. But I've been around seeing their summer workouts, obviously in the spring and now into camp. He's a leader on the field as well. It's not just lead by example. He's talking to guys. He's motivating guys. And, and he talked a little bit about that with me over the summer about how, you know, he went down to the Peyton Manning Passing Academy and, you know, got involved in that with Eli and everyone that, that deals with that and, and was studying the intangibles of the position and, and what you need to have in terms of being an NFL quarterback. So he's thinking about it at a, at a high level as well, not just the physical abilities you need. Now, obviously, there's a performance element has come with that. He's got a couple more years of eligibility, um, but he certainly has all the tools to be special. David Shoemate joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at DukePBP. 
And David, when you talk about this Duke program and the success that they had last season, why do you think the perception hasn't increased for them? Like we just played a bite from Phil Steele saying that this team uh, could be better than last year, but win less games. So why don't you think uh, nationally people are higher on this Duke football team? I think it boils down to two things. One, and you know, it was obviously a huge net positive last year, what Duke was able to do from a turnover perspective, both reducing their own and creating more turnovers. I mean, I think the turnover differential was something like plus 16. So that was a huge thing. I think there is some skepticism nationally about the ability to duplicate that. I mean, they're in the top five in the country in terms of turnover differential. I will say that's a huge point of emphasis for, for Mike Elko. He talks about you know, transitioning from being a defensive coordinator, most recently Texas A&M, but obviously Notre Dame and Wake Forest, that now that he's in the head coaching role, one of the things that he's really locked in on is making sure guys are taking care of the football, making sure guys understand what you need to do on the open field in terms of how you carry the ball to make sure Duke doesn't give up those extra possessions, which candidly had been a problem in the past. So I think that's one piece of it. I think the other piece of it is kind of what I touched on a minute ago, I think a lot of people externally are looking at and saying, well, with with the lack of divisions now in the ACC, if you look at the preseason expectations in the top half of the league, Duke is going to face most of those. Yes, some at home, whether it be Clemson, NC State, I know Notre Dame is not a league game, but obviously they're ranked and and the coaches poll likely will be ranked uh, in the AP poll that comes out next week. And then road trips to Florida State, to Louisville, you know, to North Carolina. So obviously the schedule is challenging. So I think, like you said, Phil Still, and I've seen others nationally have this kind of talking point they're going with of, you know, could be a better team, but maybe the record won't be as good as it was a year ago. And I will say for this team that kind of last year walked around with a big chip on their shoulder, they love that. They embrace it when people don't expect much from them. So I think that kind of fits neatly uh, into their wheelhouse. Yeah, and David, when you look at this team, and there's a lot of high-end talent, whether you talk about Jalen Calhoun, a guy that was uh, voted to the preseason All-ACC team, Graham Bart, and the love that he's got nationally as a number two returning offensive tackle in all of college football. We know what Riley Leonard did, then Dwayne Carter and Jamion Franklin on that defensive line. Is this, in your opinion, the most talented team that Duke has had in at least quite some time? Yeah, there's no question across the board. I mean, you, you touched on it. You know, with, with having so many starters back, I think it's 18 in total. It'd be offense, defense, or special teams. That, that's a huge deal, and and bunch of those pieces are along the offensive line. You mentioned Barton, uh, Jacob Monk is back, who can play both the center and the guard spots. Maurice McIntyre is getting healthy. You know, you bring in Jake Hornibrook, a Stanford transfer. So I think along the offensive line, you have to feel good. And then at the skill positions across the board everybody's back. I mean, you touched on Calhoun, uh, Samir Hagens, who, who's a really talented receiver, made a huge play at the end of the game away forest uh, in the regular season finale that proved to be the game-winning touchdown. A guy like Jordan Moore, who, who this time last year was battling with Riley Leonard for the starting quarterback position, goes out and plays wide out last year, nearly you know goes for a 200-yard receiving game at Pittsburgh. He's had a full year now to prepare at the receiver position, and he's someone I think can pop. All the running backs are back. You know, you talked on the defensive line. The secondary has been bolstered with some transfers, but also a bunch of returners there. So just the learning curve is not there to maybe where it was a year ago when you're bringing in new coordinators, a new head coach, and a new system. You know, I was talking with Kevin Johns the other day, and he kind of said, you know, they're on to Chapter 2 already here in camp, where last year a good chunk of the work was just install in Chapter 1 of the playbook and figuring all that out. So I think 
as much as that. That knowledge that's already baked in allows them potentially to take a major step forward. And the talent obviously speaks for itself and what they've been able to do in the weight room with David Feely, who oversees that as well. We've seen some big jumps in terms of muscle mass as well. The voice of Duke, David Shoemade, joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. David, play-by-play announcers obviously get to know the coaches really well. You got to know David Cutcliffe. Now you're going into your second season with Mike Elko. How different are these guys in personality and how they run their team? Well, I mean, I think, you know, one, obviously, the quarterback, right, and then an offensive-minded guy, so you're dealing with a guy who spent, you know, most of his career on the defensive side of the football, if not all of it, with Mike Elko. So I think you have that kind of inherent difference and personality a little bit in terms of how they see the game. Although I think Mike Elko has been really obvious about he wants to score points too. And, and, you know, averaging 10 more points a game than the previous year kind of speaks for itself. I will say this about Mike Elko. He, the brilliance of the football mind is obvious just in terms of the product that he puts on the field, what he's done his entire career. Um, but he, he's just one of those guys that's just like an everyday guy and, and a time in college football. And I'm sure you guys have talked about it you know, college basketball as well, where these head coaching positions can appear larger than life in in terms of these head of the programs. You know, he's just a a regular guy when you talk to him and really down to earth and and easygoing and has his wife and, you know, relatively young family and and likes to spend time with them. So that's been kind of cool to watch him kind of live in his space of just an everyday guy that's living the dream, obviously, uh, of being a power five head coach. But you know, it's cool, as you said, to work with a bunch of different coaches. Coach Cut was the best, obviously, on the basketball side. I've had a chance to work with Coach K and, and now John Shire. So um, we get to work with some pretty good ones here yeah. in Durham. I'm probably spoiled in that regard. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, you got a pretty nice collection of coaches that you've had the chance to talk to. And one of the things that's been my biggest takeaway, we've had a chance to talk with Jalen Calhoun earlier this week, Riley Leonard at ACC kickoff. You know, both of among the better players that they had returning, they talked about how they didn't really give much thought into transferring from this program. You know, David, how much roster change did you expect to take place when David Cutcliffe was let go? Well, I think the, you know, you never know how this is going to go. I think you have to be honest with that and, and forthright from the beginning because players have to make decisions now. The transfer portal is a thing, and, and you know, you don't begrudge anyone that's going to make a decision that they think is best for them, their family, their future. Or, or what have you, but I will say I thought it, it was intriguing to me at Mike Elko's first press conference. You know, every coach has a, a culture and a theme and a moniker, so to speak, and, and he laid out his was grind, the acronym that he went by. And for him, the N in grind stood for now. And, and he said at his introductory press conference, it was striking to me, and I've referenced it several times, that he said when he came in, the plan was to win now. And I think that was interesting because everyone knew what had happened the previous years. It had certainly been a struggle in terms of wins and losses. And, you know, he had every reason a lot of coaches would have gone up there and said, you know, this is going to be a process. This is going to take some time to rebuild. And I think to say I'm, I'm going to win now really spoke to the guys on the current roster that he wasn't looking past them two or three years down the road. He was making a commitment to them. And I think that helped as much as anything in them making a commitment to him. I also think, too, anytime you're at a place like Duke, uh, and I know things have changed, NIL has changed, and obviously guys want to play professionally, but this is a degree that matters. And I think staying at Duke and and having a chance to have a Duke degree, you know, plays for all these guys and and works to a lot of these guys. And a big part of the reason to come here, and perhaps one of the reasons that Duke hasn't been as susceptible to the transfer portal as some other places. David, as you surveyed this schedule, just how difficult do you see it and what are some of the critical junctures in said schedule? 
I mean, anytime you're coming out of the gates with Clemson, that kind of speaks for itself, uh, the preseason favorite. So I think in some respects it's really difficult when you see the name brands that are on there. It's an opportunity to, to challenge these guys, obviously. But you do have seven home games, and you open with three straight at home and five of your first six at home, Clemson and Lafayette, an FCS opponent, uh, Northwestern, uh, the lone non-conference road game is at Connecticut. And you get into the meat of the schedule. I don't know if juncture point, but maybe one of the more challenging parts of the schedule is in late October to early November, where you go back-to-back road games, October 21st in Tallahassee against Florida State, October 28th at Louisville, and then a very quick turnaround on Thursday night to host Wake Forest. So that part, to me, is going to be challenging just in terms of keeping guys healthy and keeping guys fresh with all the travel uh, and then, as I said, the really quick turnaround for Wake on the back end. Uh, and then you do have some road games down the stretch at, at North Carolina, at Virginia. Um, but I think out of the shoot with Clemson certainly grabs your attention. And then that stretch in late October, I think, is going to be pretty challenging, you know, regardless of the opponents, just because how it's structured with the road games and then the quick turnaround. Yeah, and then you talk about that Clemson game, and that's one I've been pointing to as well. And when you look at this Clemson program, especially with question marks, not sure if Kate Klubnick is the guy just yet. Garrett Riley coming in to revive the offense, so to speak. The skill guy talent, especially at the wide receiver positions, isn't what we've seen during those championship runs. Do you feel like this is as good a time as any for Duke to take on Clemson uh, in a setting like the one that it will be on September 4th? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a program that's ready to challenge itself with with all the returners that are coming back and a chance to be on that stage. I think it speaks to what people think that, that, you know, that Mike Elko's done and and what this program has done from a facility standpoint to get that Labor Day night stage on ESPN at 8 o'clock kick. Place is going to be packed. Uh, Obviously, the students and everyone will be really into it uh, to have that chance to show, you know, Duke is – on the level or are able to compete with a team like Clemson. And obviously they want to win the football game. Um, but as you said, it, there's some interesting subplots to it as well. You know, Clemson with the changes to the coaching staff, a new offensive coordinator. We saw a little bit of Klubnik um, at the end of last season, but now his first full year um, as a starter against Mike Elko and his defense. And he brings in Tyler Santucci over from Texas A&M to take over as the defensive coordinator. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see how that matchup plays out. I think this could be a game that has a defensive flavor to it. You never really know going into it, but there are some pieces on the offensive side on each side. But I think you, you've obviously got a Clemson defense that's always one of the best in the conference and, and a Blue Double defense that I think has taken a major step forward and has a lot of pieces back. But who knows once they kick it off what it's going to look like. But I do think Duke feels like they're in a good place to go out um, and compete with, as you said, the, the preseason favorite in the ACC. That was great stuff from David Shoemate, the play-by-play voice of Duke football and men's basketball. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNC.com. David, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Fellas, appreciate it. David on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Just to give one more shout there. Real quickly, just talking about some of the... Um, Some of the things going on with Duke going into this season, we know Riley Leonard is going to be very good. We've talked about transferring. We've talked about the schedule. Any other takeaways that you had from David in that interview as we close up team week for good on your beloved Duke Blue Devils heading into the season? (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, him talking about the hunger, the chip on the shoulder of this program, and I think that's going to be a key element for them this year. And also, I took away, you know, when we went through to pick the schedule, uh, part of the rationale, and I may not have come out and said it, let me stop capping, uh, when it's 
talk about playing Wake Forest on a Thursday after two back-to-back games. That's another reason that bodes well for the Deeks uh, when the Blue okay. Devils come to town. That short turnaround. You okay, so that playing. that's one of the losses. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> you gave them three, though. Yeah, I did. You gave them three, Nine and you had three. them beating Florida State and Clemson. Mm-hmm. I, that, that season, it honestly would be the most wild season in the ACC, right? Yeah. And it would still be really good, but beating Clemson, going 1-0, beating Florida State on the road, beating your arch rival, getting the Liberty Bell, and winning against North Carolina. Victory it's, Bell. Victory Bell. Damn, Liberty Bell. That's Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with Duke <laughs> and North Carolina. The Victory Bell, to get all of those victories, and then to, ah, well, yeah, we're going to drop this game against Pittsburgh at the end. For a possible chance to lose your trip to the ACC championship, that would be wild. To, to beat all the... I'm just saying. It'd be crazy. It would be... I I don't think Duke's beating Clemson or Florida State. I think they'll be competitive. As a person that roots for chaos, mm-hmm. I want this text line that that Tuesday after Monday night. If if Duke beats Clemson, seeing Big Cat yeah. Dan Moose, my dude NASCAR Brad, full blown melting down yeah. <laughs> because there will be Clemson fans that yeah. will say, "Ain't made the playoff back to back years. Dabo won't go in the portal. Mm-hmm. It's time to fire this bum." And I'm here for it. I said Roughnet Odor. I said Michael Penix Jr., and yet not getting the victory bell right, that hurts me more. Well, it just kind of goes to show you, as a Carolina fan, mm-hmm. it's one of the more insignificant trophies in college football. Oh, I, but, but when I was a kid, see, I hated Duke so much, and I loved North Carolina so much, that I cared about that thing. I cared about winning it, what, 13 straight years? Something like that? The players definitely care. They get super excited. I remember, I think maybe I'm wrong about this too. My memory clearly is going away. But like Tremaine Goddard or somebody going to the bell and ringing it and then riding it as you roll it out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, I loved that. Duke couldn't have anything to say in football. But it's obviously closed a little bit here. And I called it the Liberty Bell. Yeah. I'm sorry to everybody out there. ACC country. We Just a week mistake. of embarrassments for Walker Mail. All right. Maybe you hear some of those highlights in the last segment, but not before we get to maybe the only Fitty Flash of the day. Did we get to another one? All right. Here's it. Here it is. Here, here's your one Friday Fitty Flash. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Fitty. Fitty. Did want to remind the folks that Charlotte FC will be back in action tonight, taking on Messi down in Miami. Coverage starts at 8 right here on WFNZ. But, Wes, you, you sent us a link into our group chat updating us on the um, the betting situation going on at Iowa State. And the more they investigate, the worse and worse it gets. Their running back last year placed 1,327 bets for a grand total of $12,000. You had a defensive tackle bet that they would lose to Iowa State. What do you make of it? We've seen like Alabama had their baseball coach, but like it's really a problem in Iowa in Iowa with Iowa State and Iowa. What do you make of what's going on inside Matt Campbell's program with their players betting on and off the field. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the message isn't getting across, man, but it's just making me wonder what else is going on uh, across this country. I don't think this is the first case that's going to happen, and I don't think it's going to be the last, so that was my main thing. But I'm like, good Lord, man, you're in college. You got workouts, you got practice, and you have time to place 1,300 bets. You have got to be kidding me. Did you bring up the Phil Mickelson one in there, or was it just about the collegiate No, we did not. We can throw that in. 
fan as well. Ooh, I mean, so Big if you fail. look. All right. So according to, this is by, uh, I'll read the tweet source in a second, but the tweet itself is according to a new memoir by Billy Waters, Phil Mickelson wagered one billion dollars to put an extra yes dr evil spin on it one billion (laughs) dollars on sports in the last three decades the book says mickelson lost nearly a hundred million dollars in gambling averaged nine bets per day in 2011 (laughs) made 43 major league baseball bets in one day and tried to bet on a Ryder cup as well so this is all phil mickelson every man has a vice go in complete degenerate mode one billion Lost nearly a hundred million in gambling. That is shocking. That's as shocking as anything. I mean, it's wild. The competitiveness of these guys. When you take these uber competitive guys and they get into these sports and then they start gambling as well, man, they can't stop. You know what? Competitive. It's like the perfect storm, right? If you are competitive and you have made a ton of money off of you being competitive, like one Michael Jordan, who had this as his vice as well. And you you give them a bunch of money to that guy who wants to win at everything, and gambling is the vice that just so happens to infiltrate you. Who, buddy? Yeah, and, a lot and I also think it's the thrill seeking too. You know, they want something to do. They need something to make them feel alive. And real quick, I wanted to throw in too. It was breaking news: Devontae Adams injured at practice with the 49ers. They said he was down for a while and helped to the sidelines, looked at by trainers. And more news is to come. But uh, hopefully he'll be okay. But it doesn't sound too good for old Devontae Adams. Yeah, hopefully Devontae able to be healthy and play every single game this upcoming season. It is the week that was on sports. Uh, on Wesson Walker coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. segment of the week the last one before we hit the first preseason game tomorrow between the carolina panthers and the new york jets it's going to be a lot of fun how are we celebrating everybody how are we celebrating are we tailgating are we just gonna lock ourselves in the house like fitty does during college football season Ooh, not tomorrow i am i get my first doghouse experience tomorrow Ooh, this is something that should have been mentioned to us earlier i'm excited for you yeah how excited I, are you about the experience uh you know it's gonna be fun hanging out with kb and mac doing the pregame, watching the game at the doghouse and then willie p will be there for the post game so yeah i'm kind of excited okay. um because you know when y'all do street turkeys i'm of course back here running the board and uh, we don't we don't go out there for anything else. So I was out there for the Luke Combs concert, and uh, it was it was a fun time. So I'm excited. So not your first experience, but your first pre-game experience As, for the most part. I'm, I'm going to work it, or I'm going to work at the doghouse for the first time. So mm-hmm. pretty pretty excited. Okay, there you go. You can join the doghouse. It'll be uh, you a, said 
Kyle and Mac will be out there. Or Kyle, yeah, Kyle and yeah. Mac will be out there. Okay. That's a good question though. It's like during the preseason, do people like halfway kind of? Is it like preseason for the fans too, or they mm. tailgate or they do their celebrations <laughs> at home? But it's not quite to the level it will be for week one. You, you, you're pretty vanilla with the food that you cook because right, you don't want right, to show everything right. in preseason game number one. <laughs> right. You want to make sure that you save a lot of the yeah. uh, play calls a little well, bit later put on. A and light then week, sauce on a chicken. Then you call the reverses in week one on the tailgate. Yeah. Like then you bring out the big time brats. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like whatever big you got on the bojangles. Big box. Or if you're Will, I'm sorry, Willie. Another thing that I just remembered about one of the takes he had. Didn't he have four forms of sausage in the five best tailgate foods yeah. ever? Well, yeah. he is the sausage king of the Queen City, so it makes a lot of sense. All right. Brats. No. <laughs> this was an actual thing. He's the sausage king? This, yes. Look, you can't blame me for thinking that was an insult from you. Okay? No, it, like, I really thought that was happening. I mean, I don't know if it's a compliment, but it, like, <laughs> when we bring him on next week like and you introduce him as the sausage king of Charlotte, he will he will take it and run with it. What was it? It was hot dogs, brats, and then he had something. He had another form of sausage. Yeah, he had some unorthodox stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, but... I just needed some variety because you could get the Bojangles fried chicken, of course, which I would imagine most people go with with the top five tailgate food. But this guy, nope. Wiener schnitzel, <laughs> sausage, sausage and peppers, what? <laughs> hot dogs, <laughs> glizzies. That's my five. That's my top five foods at a tailgate. <laughs> you can't. I mean, just Wiener alone is going to make Fiddy explode, man. Like, he just can't hold it in. Well, because it's just like, I, I don't expect it from you. Like, if I were out here and say Wiener. Wiener people, Stitzel. People would expect it because it's me. You're yeah. just, you know, this buttoned up, very professional. I mean, I don't you know, know about host, all that. I'm and then you're out here talking about Wieners. Uh, yeah. Wiener Schnitzel's all right. Time now for the week that was with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We had a good week, boys. Um, I've been one to mispronounce a lot of words and, and, and words and names that I should know. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that my bad influence rubbed off on Walker because he not only had one instance, but he had two. And it started when he referenced a classic baseball fight from about five, six, seven, eight years ago. Well, this is the thing, too, with baseball. I know they have that reputation as well of not really wanting to fight. Football is usually the sport. Hockey, having fighting within the rules. But I can think back to at least a couple of baseball brawls where punches were thrown. I can think of Joey Bats and Roughnet Odor. Mm. We know the punches were thrown there. Remember Amir Garrett. What did I say? You want to say that first name again, bud? Because whenever I mispronounce a name, oh, yeah, it's Roughnet is not his it's name. It's Roomned Odor. Are you sure? Oh. Yes. Yeah. I I watch baseball. Yes. Yeah, but you also said Willie Stargle or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but that dude's like 87 years old. Yeah, you you also talked about a Giselle instead of a Gazelle. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what sucked is that Flounder was in here for a couple of different things. I, and and both times when Flounder was in here, I'd said something wrong. Even though I, I stand by my Washington quarterback, 
uh, a reference. I stand by it. I've heard him called that before. Maybe it was a joke. I don't know. Do you want to play that one real quickly and we can just dissect both of the wrong name calls? Yeah, we'll go to that one because it wasn't even myself or, or Wes, two college football aficionados that took umbrage with it. It was Flounder who, who was, was yeah. who was like sitting down. Yeah, what was he? What was he he popped up out of nowhere like I a know. Sesame Street this is, character. I'm about to do it for you guys to make y'all All right, let's go. He is behind the desk and then he rises up like he presses the button on the elevator. Michael Penix? <laughs> what? Like, where did he even come from? Is there a secret room over there in the corner? And then he said, oh, I'm a hater. Get yeah. out of here, Flounder. Flounder has uh, a take on this as well as he steals the mic from Drum. What do you have for us here, Flounder? What? I am not knocking you for the Duke take. That's not a horrendous take. Okay. Anthony Thank Boone, you, by the way, would have been an NFL quarterback. Yeah. He doesn't get hurt in a car accident yeah. as well. Um, you said... Who, what I've is heard the, it pronounced is, both ways. I knew not, you were laughing. I knew you were laughing at Michael Penix. It's definitely Penix I've heard it pronounced a couple of different not, ways. It is definitely yes, not Penix. Yes, no, I did. Not. And I looked at you. By the way, a couple of days in a concerning. That's a lot of loud noises i just didn't want to hear it again from flounder man i was like all right here we go the second time in as many days by the way it was back to back and here comes flounder from the secret room in the corner and when he was writing an article eating chicken wings whatever <laughs> was he eating chicken wings while he was laying down That's i don't pretty think, i don't think chicken wings was uh, on the on the menu that day but it was something so that's what it was. What you got, Fiddy? All right. So now moving on to uh, a part of the live wire. We were talking about the concerns around how Eric Bieniemy is coaching uh, commanders players. And Wes made it known that he could never play for an aggressive style coach. And I had a problem with that. And in the process, scared our shadow. But, you know, and I could go foul line on Wes because, you know. Uh-oh. He just disclosed that if I were ever to be a, a, a coach that was recruiting me, he couldn't play for me because he didn't like being yelled at. And uh, I'm a yeller. Drum! You got that list ready to go, son? I don't like coaches that have to look up to me and yell. Uh, 100%. That hit so hard in high school. So what I love is that Fiddy got mad disrespectful in ways that were a little truthful. He hit me with a bud that I didn't realize in real time. He said, uh, I believe it's uh, Runed, bud. And then he hit drum with a drum. Just screaming. That at definitely him. was coach status right there. It was. It, it was definitely coach status. Yeah, what did Drum have to say to his parents about Fiddy, by the way? Uh, uh, can you give us the inside scoop? Well, on I don't what know yet yeah, because were? he didn't get back home until yesterday okay. night. So I'll find out the scoop soon enough. If but you he don't definitely, mind finding uh, out the weekend. He, he had a couple of opinions during the week, though, as we went. He was just, what were they? You, know, you started to those? learn. Like when we talked yeah. about, uh, I said something like when we would talk to him about radio etiquette and what not to do and he definitely would reference not being like Fiddy. Alright, well, do you have anything else before we close it out? We got one more yesterday we were talking about our favorite bags of Doritos and Walker disclosed his favorite bag and well, I made an inappropriate comment. Also the dark blue bag, the Blazing Buffalo Ranch when Ooh, I had that. Never it, had them. I, don't e I hope they still make them but in high school Every trip to the grocery store included me putting a bag of those into the shopping cart. And that's why you use wet wipes. <laughs> I forgot about that. All right, moving on. <laughs> What's wrong with this man? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that one. I was like, what did I say about Doritos? Yeah. But then we brought it back it full you. circle this morning, and you talked about your wet wiping etiquette. Very uh, informative. You asked about it, and uh, I didn't really want to go into detail with it. Oh, but you did. I mean, you asked about it, so I was like, "All right, let's get this man off of the uh, <laughs> off of the topic, and then let's move on." So that'll do it for us, Kyle. You want to give a, a people the t- uh, some people the tease of what's going to go on? Are you going to start another revolution today? No, no. We we started that when the fire's burning right now. Wes, you ready for next week? Yeah, man. You already know the me, new Madden Summer Raw, baby. Right. Yep. See, so you're already on the same wavelength. That's right. Too. Yep. Mm. Me, me and Wes got a high school football game together next Thursday night. That's right. Madden and Summer Raw, baby. Be a great vehicle. Because you are tight end, right, Kyle? Yeah, you know. Depends on how you look at it. That's what I'm saying. We got the big boys doing the game. He's a wing T. I was a glorified tackle. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. So two two O line types. The, the the toughest duo in the booth. Right. Right. All we want you is know, 60 you're not runs. Find Rockets much bigger than that. That's right. All we want is 60 runs. You're, you're really not. Yeah. They, these guys want to play football in a phone booth right now. <laughs> these guys are going to let their opinions out. Nah, of- I was flossy though. I want to throw the ball. Thank you. I wish I'd play with you. And yet, here you have all this running back defense. I, you know, oh, I love the running backs. I yeah. like a good balanced offense, but I want to throw it. All right, that's the voice of Kyle Bailey. Listen to him for the next three hours right here. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll be back with you on Monday to recap preseason game number one between the Panthers and the Jets. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.